Blog Talk Radio. podcast featuring Elvira Love and Phoenix LaFay, two out-of-the-room-closet professional witches with over 70 years' combined experience of making magic. This is a show on the LMC Radio Network. During each show, Elvira and Phoenix will help you create rituals, make spells, make potions, and much more besides. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Phoenix, take it away. Here we go. Aha, uh-huh, we're back on air. Yay! Yeah, it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday, and I don't know why we say that, because now it's even like Friday is like another day, somewhat. Every ending. day is Friday. Every day is Monday. <laughs> Every day is Wednesday. <laughs> you know, it's very interesting. I was talking to someone today about that and saying that, you know, I have certain things I do on um, certain days in my real world life that existed before all of this, and, you know, now it's changed. To a degree, it has some things, but each day didn't had a different feel because we had different right. things we were doing. And the problem is now it's, you know, waking up and, and maybe not getting out of your PJs for a couple of hours. Like normally we'd get into something, we'd take our shower, we'd be, you know, all that. It's really weird. It's it's. It's loose. It's like, is this what retirement is like? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Anyway, so what was your week like? I know that we were just making fun of the fact that we don't have a week as per se, but what happened since the last time we were talking on air last Friday? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I have some really big news. Today I got uh, my fourth contract from Llewellyn Publishing to write another book. Oh, so, yes, yes, I'm. I was. I'm really excited because, I mean, I, this might sound crazy. I I get it. Like if I had never written a book and I was listening to someone else say what I'm about to say, I would be like, oh, whatever. But it's true. It's what I'm about to say is like some of my like core fear and truth and it shows like some of my shadow stuff honestly but I have this idea for a book and I'm really excited about it 
and I talked to my publisher, my, my specific editor. I talked to her about it at PantheaCon back in February, and we started riffing off of each other, and um, she was, like, giving me kind of a different way to spin it, and I was really excited. So I wrote up this proposal, and I sent it off, and I said to my partner, they're not going to want it. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to get another book published. I suck. I'm not a good writer. They're, they're not going to want any more books from me. You know, like none of my books, well, I only have one book through Llewellyn so far. I've written two more that are coming out. But, you know, my first book, it's not like a bestseller. It's not like flying off the shelves. And now that this um, medical crisis has hit, everyone's book sales are slowing down because bookstores aren't open and Amazon's not selling books. Um, they're sell- you're, if you search a book right now on Amazon, the Kindle version will show up first. Because mm-hmm. they're not, sh- it's not an essential product. So, you know, I was like feeling all woe is me about it. And then yesterday when I got the letter from my editor that they want to contract it, I was like shocked and excited. And, uh, you know, like I really was surprised. I really was surprised. But I'm really wow. I'm excited about it. So the, the working title is Witches, Heretics, and Warrior Women. And it's all about... Um, it's I guess it's kind of a, I don't know yet what it's about because I've ever written it, but it's the the concept is about how do you be heretical, how do you become a heretic and and step into your own badassery. Very nice. Yeah. Good timing for I'm now, actually. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's going to be a little bit like women who run with the wolves, but a more modern, present, like being like Joan of Arc now type of energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's the big I, that's the big exciting thing happening here. Otherwise, um, I had to take my partner to the doctor. It looks like he's got kidney stones, oh, no. uh, which is great timing. Um, and uh, I rearranged my daughter's room. We have a mountain of goodwill donations in our garage for when we can start going about the world again. Uh, because we have cleared and cleaned so much out of our house in the last couple of weeks. But my, I bought my daughter, she's an amazing artist. And at Christmas, I bought her this fancy pants art desk that mm-hmm. you, can, like, ra- you can raise up so it's tilted and it has all these cubbies and it's really neat. But she legitimately had no room for a desk in her bedroom. So, and so it, it sat in the box. It wasn't even built. <laughs> wow. So finally... Finally, Tuesday, just three days ago, her room was cleaned out and cleared out enough that we were able to build the desk and put it in her room. So that was really exciting. Um, <laughs> like that, I feel like I accomplished major things this week because of her room. So that's really, really mm-hmm. cool. Uh, so yeah, that's about it here. Um, Milk and Honey is still getting online orders and uh, I'm slow to ship just because I'm not going to the shop. I'm going to the shop once a week to collect orders and I'm running out of shipping supplies. So I'm having to figure out what I'm going to do about that because we don't typically do very much online. So um, changing the way I look at my business, um, mm-hmm. upgraded Milk and Honey's website this week. Uh, I bought this fancy light box months ago to take pictures of products, and I never used it. And yesterday I used it for the first time, so I'm about to upload a bunch of new pictures and new products onto the Milk and Honey website. So I feel like this week for the first time since March 14th, I've been real productive. Wow. Um, 
And Excellent. this morning I woke up sobbing because I'm so scared and I, I'm feeling so much grief for the world and the amount of people who have died from this virus is just making me so sad. So, you know, it's all, it's all a thing. And I've gone on for a really long time. So that's enough about me. How are you, Elvira? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, well, you know, things, there are weeks that, you know, we have different things that happen to us at different tempos. And, and obviously you're on an upswing right now, which is really good. I don't know if I'm on an upswing. I may be just sort of cruising along, but I was mentioning to um, you that it kind of feels like it's, a, it's what is this like retirement? You know, I mean, yeah. obviously yeah. I have a certain age bracket I fall into, yeehaw, and I'm in a, a senior park, oh, yeehaw, yeehaw. And mm-hmm. at this point, I'm like going, no, this is not going to, this isn't going to fly for me. I'm sorry. Just sitting around looking out my window and who's walking and what car was that that drove by? I mean, it's really, it's worse than a, a, a dog or a cat looking out at the world and going, wow, it's a bird. It's a, it's, it's a fly. It's great. You know, I mean, it's kind of like the same feeling of like, this is a captive audience. Um, I, Yes, in a way, it's been, you know, some business as usual. Go to Lucky Mojo. I've been working there three days a week. So that kind of helps me keep um, consciousness of a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, the remainder of the time is, is kind of fluid as far as what happens. Like um, going to the grocery store is going to be my job after the radio show because I need to get pick up stuff. Um and, you know, yesterday was go to the chiropractor because he's still working and he looks so cute with his bandana on his face. Kind of, you know, <laughs> I know his wife was day that was great too, but I, I just think of him as, you know, he's kind of like a nephew age bracket-wise, so obviously. Um, but it's been real interesting how my days function with, A, if there's anything I do or I don't do as far as cleaning. I got on a kick about it. And I started, and then it came to a crashing halt. And I think it's because it was in preparation for putting the place on the market and, you know, clearing out stuff. And now that all that has fallen flat, my energy fell flat. So I'm not into Mm -hmm. the, like, let's get into stuff and throw shit away or or do that. But, you know, I suspect it it comes in little spurts. and, you know, trying to, to reorganize how I think of my life, you know. It yeah. Was, um, it's interesting, I guess. Um, there's something, well, depending on where and who I talk to, it depends on how I, I articulate what I, I'm feeling at the time. So sometimes if it's clients, I'm not going to get so brutally, you know, um, how do we want uh, vulnerable. Because, you know, you're, you're in a position just like therapists are where you have to be at a certain level. But I have found that what's happening right now is watching how all of us are going through this and participating on our own, in our own stuff is um, really coming into a different level of empowerment. And I know that's a hard thing to say when you feel you're you don't have power over this particular situation and, you know, the virus and, and, and the whole, you know, all of these things. 
what did our ancestors feel like about nature and and Mm -hmm. the way things were? I mean, we have gotten such a sense of entitlement and empowered, you know, we we will control and own this and that and the other thing. And I'm suddenly realizing that the awe um, of the pink moon or the awe of the rain or things, Mm -hmm. we, we talk about it, but do we really, really, Feel it? Does it really get in there, or is it just part of the the surface process? So I think I've been yeah. dealing with that more than you know things happening in my world, so to speak. Um, I get to FaceTime more often with my daughter and granddaughter, mostly because my granddaughter isn't you know they're not shelter in place specifically in in Arkansas, but she has produced this process in her own world with what they're doing to you know contain things and her her friend who's my granddaughter's best friend they love to hang out together well it's been put a kibosh on so now they're facetiming so now that she's my granddaughter facetimes at five mind you uh with her friend who is five and a half um it's fascinating because now she wants to talk to nona more oh so how sweet I, I, i've become a, a, a I've become more, in, you know, there's more going on because she's relating why we talk on the, why we FaceTime because she's used to in person because that's her world and now it's changed. So um, it's good, but it's still when, you know, I get off, there's a hollowness, you know, and there's a yeah. sense of that, you know, space, too much. Yeah. But anyway, that being said, yeah. the rest of it is, you know, kind of like, what can I say? Uh, I'm watching people do stupid things and not social distance. <laughs> and You know, there's just so much. I mean, I, I put on a mask. I put on gloves. I mean, I wear, you know, enough without going out looking like I'm in combat. Um, but I, I look at how I function. Mm-hmm. And I look at some of the other people. And what they're doing, I like if I'm driving <laughs> to a place and people are walking, I've noticed some people actually do the social distancing. There'll be a person jogging on the on the sidewalk, and then the bicycle lane is where another person is walking, so they can stay the social distance. Then I see these people with two dogs and you know a baby, and they're walking, and there's another person walking, and nobody moves out of the way. They just do what they've mm-hmm. always done. Yeah, and I'm sad because it's mm-hmm. like, what, what is moving forward here? Not that right. I want to say this, you know, spend this much time social distancing myself from people because, you know, that just this is just so hard to watch just going, Oh my gosh. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I think it's important to, you said something about grief, right. And I mentioned grief huh? too. And that mm-hmm. is in the collective unconscious right now. And if you're, if you know, I've been, I've been seeing a few people post, I've been um, spending too much time on Facebook. I'm not posting. I'm just mindlessly scrolling through Facebook, which is stupid. And I have to like force myself to close it and go do something else, even if that's just watch TV or sit and stare out at the window. Because uh, mm-hmm. it's so bad to just scroll through Facebook. But 
I'm seeing a lot of people talking about grief and whether if you're not sleeping well, if you're having anxiety, you know, there's a lot going on, but a lot of people are dying and people are sharing stories of their loved ones and, uh, and their personal experiences of being ill. And there's a lot of grief. Uh, Our collective unconscious is experiencing grief. And one of the things I uh, read that was written by a holistic medical practitioner is that the the lungs are the seat of grief in our bodies so there is also something about this virus and how it attacks our body and grief so you know i i would what i've taken from that personally is when i feel a wave of grief i need to let it move through me so i'm not a crier i don't like to cry i don't Um, I don't, I definitely don't like to feel, you know, quote unquote, overly emotional. Um, But I've really let myself cry every time I felt like a wave of grief, every time I felt sad, every time I felt like I I need to cry instead of like having a stiff upper lip and just getting through it. I'm actually letting myself cry. And I think everyone, our collective needs to let themselves process the grief that they're feeling Uh, because I think that's going to spiritually help us move through this time uh there's a lot of grief and it's not gonna be we're not gonna get through it with just one good cry it's we're Mm -hmm. we're gonna be going through this for a while years potentially so you know let let it out when you can it's like the valve of a pressure cooker take a little bit of that off so that you don't have to um you know, feel like you, especially in the Western world, especially in the United States, there's so much like stiff upper lip, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You have to do it alone. And that's bullshit. You know, like reach out, feel your grief, feel your feelings, talk to other people about your feelings, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no, actually you're, you're presenting something that's very, very potent when, um, I grew up, <laughs> my dad was a Reikian therapist. I mean, he was a chiropractor um, by trade in terms of that, but he, he became a Reikian therapist. And the basis of that therapy, the basis of the concept is nonverbal and it's breath. It's breathing and breathing deep into your lungs and deep down. So obviously yes. you've got all these wonderful things of yoga and, and all the stuff that people are about, but the point is is that crying is part of that process and invariably we that is the the one thing and you we it was very important um to breathe deep and when you do that you unlock literally the muscles that are holding you when we say stiff upper lip it's actually stiff rib cage is what we're talking about because of the muscles in there um, but that's it, and you cry. I mean, I have cried in the shower. I have cried yeah. on the toilet. I have cried. Now, this is now when I lost my husband. I cried in my chair. I cried everywhere. And, mm-hmm. if, you know, it didn't matter what, when it came, it came. I was in a car. You know, when I was out in public, it would be a little bit less likely for me to do that, but even then I get um, I still do. I, I get off the phone with a client. Um, there is a there's a point where your your energy 
is that of of washing it. It's washing uh, the energy off, not just breathing it through. It's washing it, and that's. I'm mm-hmm. glad to hear you say that. It's like this is so important, and I'm sure my father is up there going, "Yeah, finally, yeah," because mm-hmm. it was a big thing about yeah the emotion and what crying is about. Crying is is anything but a sign of vulnerability and tears are anything but a sign of vulnerability. And yet that's because they're honest, they're clear, and it's it's just this this light. And we don't right. we, we try so hard to cover that up because it's a sense of vulnerability. Bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. But exactly. Anyway, there we are. Yeah. We we really kind of moved into that but I was so, I'm so I'm glad you said that. I really am. Because it's yeah. true. I mean, I have a hard time. I may scroll and I will see the things that get me the most before all this was happening. It was all things about animals, you know, and, and the posts about people brutalizing them or this or that or the lost animals or the, the animals. I cry at everything. You know, the tears come up and I'm like, <laughs> you know, and I do because that, energy when we when we shove it down that's what you know the word rigidity mm-hmm. to play okay yeah. so we i don't know how this is going to relate all to the hierophant which is the major arcana card we're on today but yes let's see how we can do that Yes. Well, we are carrying on today with our series on reading the tarot and starting in, well, just the major arcana. We haven't talked about doing anything beyond the major arcana, but it's our fifth show. And I know that, no, sixth show. And I know that because we are on the fifth card, the high priest or the hierophant. Or in older decks, it was called the yes. Yep. Yeah. Now what? <laughs> I don't know. Hey, we got to we got to think of what it is we're thinking. Well, I'll just give you the big one. The, yeah. the zodiacal sign of Taurus, which is your sign and coming up yeah. for your birthday shortly, by the way. Yeah. I know, quarantine birthday. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Watch it. We may wind up trying to get a, a parade of cars to drive by and honk horns. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had the Easter Bunny do that this morning. Really? I was sitting. Yeah, I was sitting here on the couch. I posted it on my Instagram page. So if anyone's on Instagram, I'm Phoenix Lippe, so you can see a short video. Um, but I was sitting here on the couch and I heard all these sirens, and I was like, "Oh fuck, what is going on?" And I leaned back, and I live on a cul-de-sac. But if from just the right angle, I can see to the street that my cul-de-sac is attached to. And I saw a fire truck go by with a person in a giant bunny suit sitting on top of it. And I, my sister had told me that the Easter bunny had come to her part of town a couple of days ago. So I, I, I was like, oh, but I didn't expect them to come down our court. I thought they just went down the main drag, but they went down every court in our section. They came down our street. Me and my partner went out there and waved and took pictures. And I took a video and I got all teary eyed. <laughs> oh. Yeah, the bunny. Yeah, the bunny came. Anyway. Well, I'm glad. So, well, getting getting as again, this is one of those we gotta kind of. It's gonna be creative. The hierophant mm-hmm. is um, mm-hmm. considered 
um, rule, you know, is is convention, is mm-hmm. the, the traditional religions and religious forms and, you know, ritual and creed and ceremony, which is, this is ceremony, the ceremony of the mm-hmm. bunny coming. See how well I yeah. got that one in? I thought that was really clever. Mm-hmm. Well done, well done. <laughs> so go for it. Now that I pulled it in, let's see where you want to fly with it. Well, you know what's interesting is, um, sorry, I put a zinc lozenge in my mouth, um, which was stupid because I need to talk. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I I dislike the Hierophant. Uh, it's my least favorite card, I think, in the entire deck because mm-hmm. it's, I feel like it rarely fits. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes, like, you know, and I, and I tell my clients this, I sort of have two schools of training when it comes to reading tarot. One of my schools of training is very um, uh, personal intuition. What does your own gut tell you? It doesn't matter what the, the uh, traditional imagery might mean. It matters what your intuition tells you. Pay attention to the little symbolism in the card. You know, all this kind of a more woo, white lighty way of reading. And then I have this other side of training, which is very much more of the traditional fortune teller, where each card means this one thing, and if it shows up, it's this. And so when I read, I sort of combined those two. I I pull up what the traditional description or meaning from a fortune telling perspective might be and then I expand upon that with symbolism is catching my eye and what numerology I'm noticing and what other little bits of images in the card are sticking out for maybe the first time Um, Mm. and you know the the pope is often from from my training from uh, fortune telling and I always use like air quotes when I say fortune telling because I don't consider myself a fortune teller but that's definitely one of my lineages uh, mm-hmm. But this is a card about marriage. Like if this card shows up, it's a suggestion of of marriage um, and following society's expectations. Um, and this, it was supposed to be a good thing. It was supposed to be uh, like, like uh, what is the word I want? Conformity. Doing mm-hmm. what the rules tell you you're supposed to do. So marriage is, can be a really positive thing if you're reading on a relationship and that's what you desire, you know. But I always find the hierophant to feel personally really stuck and stodgy. And because I have my own beliefs around organized religion, part of me is like, ugh, this card is gross. <laughs> I don't like the way it feels. Yeah. Uh, so I yeah. personally, I have a really tricky relationship with this card. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I understand. And, you know, depending on how deck is, I mean, the rider deck has a certain kind of structure and look and, you know, mm-hmm. all of the symbology and the, uh, the, the things, depending. Um, but ultimately what I like, and I, it was a place I read it, and I think it's, it's something about – um, it's called Terramania, and it's basically uh, more of a psychological Jungian concept. But the person wrote something, and I guess this is the best I can go with, is that the, the Hierophant is either a brother of the high priestess or else mm-hmm. they have a very platonic relationship. Um, mm-hmm. he, the Hierophant also rules people. Okay, which is one of the things that gets both of us because of what the structure of traditional religion has put into effect, but to rule them through their hearts, 
Um, mm-hmm. He cannot help them unless they allow themselves to be helped. His reward comes from the growth in people who have made use of his advice. To mm-hmm. me, that describes, seeing that in written form, describes how I feel when I'm working with a client. And so right. if I look at this card and I say this card is what that represents. It doesn't mean it's going to say that to the person or the reading, but I see that as a way of you give that out, but you give it out and it is up to the other individuals to take that and make it personal. And I think mm-hmm. what we both feel um, about what this card originally you know, I, is iconic for is that it was about controlling people, mind, body, soul, spirit, and everything. And I feel it is, it needs to go, it needs to move a little aside. And maybe the the renewed version and why we go with decks that aren't necessarily off of the traditional writer deck of, because it's too structured. So mm-hmm. thinking of it in a more fluid base of governing or giving information and yeah. giving some structure out, but it is up to the individuals how they, they make it happen. It's like, you know, any religious creed that is said, it is how you put it into effect. It isn't necessarily the words that are going to be, you know, you can't go literally that literal. And that's the right. problem. That's where we've gotten yeah. the rigidity is it's gone too literal. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the other thing here, too, is the origins of the Hierophant. It was, like Elvira said, it started out as the Pope. Um, and the word Hierophant is probably uh, due to this one person, um, Anton de Greblin, I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, but it's believed that the chief priest of the Eleusinian Mysteries, which is this ancient Greek ritual involving Demeter mm-hmm. and Persephone and the cycle of the year and all this stuff, it's believed that the priest that re- led this ritual was referred to as the Hierophant. Mm-hmm. That's a giant question mark. Um, we don't really know about that. But if you think about mm-hmm. the Pope and when these cards would have come into existence, both as a playing game and as a fortune-telling system, the Pope was not just the guy in charge of the Catholic Church like we know of now. The Pope was in charge of fucking everything, right? The Pope was in mm-hmm. charge of politics and, mili- and the military. Like, the Catholic Church was a huge, huge force. Uh, you know, we think of the Romans as, you know, owning or being in control of most of the world in their time. Well, the Catholic Church took that over. Like, the Catholic mm-hmm. Church had their fingers in a lot of pots and it wasn't because of Jesus. It was because of money and power. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's probably also why I have feelings about the Hierophant because of this um, connection to um, imperialism. It's this card mm-hmm. is a representation of that kind of energy. So it's hard for me to just go, Oh, it's, it's about religion or it's about your own. And, and sometimes that is how I spin this card when it comes up. Like it's about your own spiritual um, pursuits. It's your own spiritual path. Um, where are you committing yourself spiritually? You know, it's, it, it could definitely be spun in different ways than, you know, where, where are you um, enforcing colonialism in your life? <laughs> right. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and because there are different things on the on the card that eventually change and modify as different decks are made, but um, the 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 crown, the headpiece that the person the the, the individual wears has three layers it's the you know it's the above the, the the upper world the middle world the lower world you take it into you know super consciousness consciousness subconsciousness you know there's mm-hmm. those three layers and when you get to that you're talking about an esoteric point of reference and you take it a little farther off than what we're seeing but it mm-hmm. helps you understand which layer are we talking about, you know? So when that card comes up and it has other cards around it, what layer are we actually talking about with regards to this? And then, you know, the the, the aspects of the cross. I've always loved the cross keys. I guess that yeah. isn't necessarily um, the, po- the, the, the Catholic symbology, but mm-hmm. it is, in many instances, the masculine, the feminine, they I, they get a little bit more esoteric and they, you know, stars and moon and sun and, you know, whatever. But it's, it's mm-hmm. the two energies that yeah. um, create that, that interact, that create what we want and where we are going. So... It's, yeah. it's also it's the ultimate card of father. I mean, when we looked mm-hmm. at the emperor, we said, yes, this is father. This is ruler. Well, yes, up to a point, but this is the one from the, the upper realm, the big father. You know, that's how mm-hmm. they, they promote this. So yeah. we, on the other hand, for those of us that kind of go, well, that's really great, but, you know, there's the upper real mother, and I think that's why I like the keys because it isn't just mm-hmm. because they're below his feet or they're below him. He's in control. It's actually what is under everything is that balance of the masculine and feminine. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing um, is the symbology in this card that I find sure. really interesting. And, the, and looking at the traditional Rider Waite Smith deck, uh, clearly, obviously, you know, that's, that's where we start in these conversations. Um, you know, we've talked about the symbology in every show we've done about the major arcana. And here we see again, a, a figure who holds spiritual significance sitting between two pillars here though we, he has the pillars and the throne. So this is almost a combination of some of the previous cards and then there's this repeating twos and threes in this. Like he has three levels in his crown, which is supposed to, like you said, these all these realms, right? Um, the below, the the here and the above. Um, it's also, if you look at like the triple soul concept, um, mm-hmm. you know, the id, the ego, and the unconscious, right? Like all of these representations, there's the three crosses on his, cloak there's the three bars on the cross uh there's all there's all these threes that and then there's twos there's the two monks kneeled before him there's the two cross keys there's the two pillars um both of his arms are raised and in his right hand which is the majority of folks dominant hand he has his two fingers raised which if you are familiar with 
casting a circle or creating sacred space from a Wiccan or witchcraft perspective, if you don't use a wand or a knife, you can use the first two fingers of your dominant hand. So here we see him holding a cross with three bars in his left hand and then in his right hand holding up his two fingers as if he's going to create sacred space, right? Which in because a lot of the symbolism, remember, from the Rider-Waite-Smith decks are from the Golden Dawn and from these other fraternal orders, that is not uh, unfamiliar, the concept of creating sacred space with the first two fingers of your dominant hand. Mm-hmm. And again, the colors repeat, the red and the white and the yellow and what these colors symbolize um, in this system. It's all here. There's a lot you can look into. Mm-hmm. And there's also a lot of gray, which is like the balance between light and dark. So mm-hmm. they have that depending, again, on what deck you have. But the Rider weight deck has definitely got a lot of the gray that he is sitting in front of, be it the stone or the pillars or the the sky behind is all gray. So mm-hmm. that process. And the number five, of course, is the the number of the card. And, you know, it's, again, we go with the five-pointed star, the pentagram. We go with mm-hmm. the fact of the five senses and um, funny, the five fingers on our hands. Uh, a long time ago, when my husband and I were discussing different things, he would say, it's the hand of God. And I'm going, why can't it be the hand of goddess, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, because I was always challenging his point of reference, Rosicrucian as he was. Um, but it was interesting because this card constantly brings that statement up in my head. But, you know, mm-hmm. the hand of the divine, even though, you know, it doesn't necessarily say that in any terminology that we have, that we have been sharing, it, it just sort of hangs there in my head. <laughs> so, but... Um, and let's see, what else? Do we want to do a real quick um, break? Because I think we're, yeah. you need to throw that in yeah, quickly. We, so we'll be, take our break and then we'll be back with more high Fenty goodness. Oh, God, good. <laughs> <laughs> We're back. That was fun. Yes, it was. (laughs) 
I had a sip of coffee. That was really good. It kept my energy going. Okay. <laughs> so um, let's see if we can dive into some of the other um, meanings of this in different ways. So we, I know mm-hmm. we kind of get – we're perspectiving it, and I know that's good, And uh, but this is yeah. also something that – in the more esoteric traditions, it is, you know, the part of the body that it rules is actually the neck, the throat, the vocal cords, the thyroid, lower jaw, and ears. So, you know, the the concept of the sense of hearing is part of this process. So mm-hmm. the intuition, inner hearing, rather than the external hearing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, and I think that's another reason why I... I override my negativity on structure yeah. religion and what it means because then I look at it and I go, oh, okay. You know, it's the intuition. It's the inner hearing that you you connect with. And uh, how we close it is a different matter. But the, the, the unclothed process is just this energy coming in and connecting with each of us. And that's the self-empowerment is that, it's nice to have a mentor or a teacher or a spiritual counselor or, you know, guide of that level in the real world, whatever, you know, your belief systems are. But ultimately, it is your personal connection. And yeah. I think that's why we seem to be such rebels when we talk about this card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it can also point to getting counseling or um, mentorship or advice, like finding someone uh, that can help you along the path. Or if you know if you're getting a reading on a very specific situation, it can suggest you may need to seek out counsel, and that someone who has the experience that you're getting a reading on has been through it or gotten to the other side of it, um, or is an authority figure on the topic. You may mean you may need to reach out and get that guidance. It can also be a card of education. Um, so, what you know, where do you need more training or learning or experience before you can make a decision on your question? If you're doing a longer reading, um, and you know, again, it is sometimes a symbol of marriage or religion or traditions, um, but it can also be. If it's reversed, which I don't do reversals, but if it is reversed, it can be that you've rejected specific values of your upbringing or you've rejected specific values of religion, which is, you know, not necessarily a bad thing, um, but it could Mm -hmm. also be that you've gotten bad advice or there's some sort of breakdown in the Mm -hmm. um, information gathering part of the situation. So, uh, you know, again, I don't read reversals, but... Lots of people do. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Uh, one of the things I was sitting here, the uh, Hebrew letter is Vav, V-A-V, and it means, it means nail or hook, something that joins parts of something together. So the idea of joining, again, religion, the, 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 the concept of, you know, being married, being traditional, being more that the joining. But it's also something to hang a hook on, hang what you want on. Um, it's a way to, you know, hang my, my feelings and beliefs on something. So I see yeah. how that can be utilized. But like anything else, um, 
it also means you can take things off. You can pull the nail out and restructure. And I think that's the other part where the rigidity has has gotten into place. So um, I know that in terms of how they're talking in, in the esoteric traditions, is it's like, you know, this nails the ideas down. It, it makes it, you know, bam. Um, but it's also, um, you know, again, dealing with what do we, you know, we've got it nailed. You know, when you say we got it nailed, we got it down, you know, that kind of thing. So... I guess one of the things at this time of the year, we are all, well, many people in the Christian religions are celebrating the, the you know, Christ being crucified on the cross and risen, which mm-hmm. is kind of, when I, I read this, I'm going, yeah, we're right around the corner from what they're, you know, what that belief has as a, you know, as a point of reference of ritual and celebration or or ritual and um, the, the belief, the way they see things. So I think they, being others that have, you know, made this their religion, I know that right. for me, I'm just looking at the, the way this is talking and how it is it's moving. So anything you want to throw out, I just usurped all the process. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, let's see. Let me look at my notes and see what am I, what am I forgetting? What else needs to be said? (laughs) Oh, you know what? Last, last week I shared from my, my Druid craft deck, which is a little bit different than a traditional deck. And I think it's good. Like instead of the emperor in my deck, it's referred to as the Lord. And in my deck, the Hierophant is referred to as the high priest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to, I, I like sharing from this deck just because it, it feels a little bit more like the way I look at it. So if you don't mind, I'll read a little bit from, from the book on what this author says about the high priest. Go for it. Um, so the key words for this card are tradition, education, religious doctrines, search for inner meaning, routine, conformity, counsel, and initiation. Uh, He says the high priest is the male counterpart of the high priestess. The priestess combines sensual and spiritual power, and so does the high priest. Both are positioned before stone gateways, whereas the priestess is associated with night, moon, and water. The priest is associated with day, sun, and fire. Uh, He meditates on the power of the sun and the masculine. In this deck, he looks very different. Instead of having his first two fingers raised on his dominant hand, he's making the sign of the horned god, which is, you know, kind of the rocker sign with your first finger and pinky finger sticking up, which I think is really funny. Um, (laughs) uh, At first, it says here, which I love, at first glance, it seems as if the high priest stands for the same concepts as the magician. But this is not so. The magician is beyond the duality of gender. He mediates both divine feminine and divine masculine forces. He points to both heaven and earth. And on his altar are the symbols of all of the elements. That part of the self that we term the magician then differentiates into two figures who mediate as God and goddess, represented in this specific tarot deck as the high priest and high priestess. A deeper understanding opens to us if we consider the four elements in relationship to the two pairs of Lord and Lady and High Priest and High Priestess. 
The lady is the earth mother, the Lord is the sky father, the high priestess is the moon and the water, and the high priest is the sun and the fire. Uh, And I really like that. And I have to say that has highly influenced how I read and how I look at these cards in the major arcana. Uh, Because often the magician and the high priestess are put together as a pair. And the empress and the emperor are put together as a pair. And the hierophant is beyond, is beyond gender, um, neither, right? And the way this deck interprets is the reverse of that where the magician is the beyond gender. And from beyond that comes these two forms of duality. So I, mm-hmm. I, it has highly influenced the way I look at these cards. Oh, very nice. And actually, it's funny because you were reading that in the book that I have that goes with the deck that I have, which is, which is Tarot. So it's pretty much, mm-hmm. you know, when I say pretty much, it's of a similar nature. It has a similar point of reference of, you know, what it's representing. And, um, of course, uh, the, the keys are very prominent in this particular um, card for the high, for the, the high priest. So yeah. um, I think a lot of things, you know, it's, it's basically he places in your hands the keys to unlock the mysteries and to gain deeper knowledge. And then trust that you will find the answers yourself using lessons he has so carefully taught you. I think these are very prominent about what this card is because it's about a sage, an elder, as opposed mm-hmm. to um, an autocrat <laughs> that that decides to take on the meaning of everything and the answers for everything. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's, I, it's... I, I... Go ahead. Okay, so um, I think that that again brings up this idea of education and mentorship and learning and how, you know, instead of this card being specifically about marriage or the church or whatever, religion, that it can be more about training and stepping into the right training for the the thing you want to achieve or finding the right mentor for the thing you want to achieve um, you know, th- this, I, I feel like when this card shows up in a reading, it's more about, okay, who, who is your ally in this work? And, and, and I mean, actually a human ally. And if you don't have one, then maybe you need to go find one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, it, it really, it presents us with that process. This is the time of union but it's a union that is, as you say, someone who's a teacher, a mentor, someone who is a counselor, someone who helps you to find a way, but it's your way, not their way. And it's, you know, the old saying, my way or the highway consciousness. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I see that as a way to make this more mutable rather than you know, archaic and you know, I guess it needs to change because the world has changed. So some right. of these things may be very ancient or part of, you know, when I say ancient, older techniques, esoteric things that are, you know, like in that inner realm. But again, when we were talking about different traditions and how things were, you know, when they got put together, a lot of this was about the male energy putting it together, you know, and... Yeah. um the the uh, that process of you know well the male knows best instead of father knows mm-hmm. best um, 
and now I feel that we've had the rebellion where the female has come up and, and positioned herself in a powerful stance, and now it's the time of the union and the balance, and that's what we can revision this card as, whether it's using the rider deck or our decks that we happen to feel a little more akin to. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And last but not least, and I love this, it's sort of like the triumphant and eternal intelligence. I thought that was, you know, that gets rather pompous in my mind. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like, okay. Um, but I guess, you know, triumphant is because there's assurance of the ultimate victory of the life power over all aspects, uh, apparent obstacles. I think, you know, that gives you a sense of that and eternal is because of the concept of immortality being the soul, the spirit, however you want to, you know, interpret that which is beyond the world of the physical realm. So I understand what they're trying to utilize here, but again, I think it, it comes across a little bit too high-handed. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. 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 Any other last thoughts? I mean, I think we've squeezed this one pretty dry. I think so. That's good. We should squeeze things pretty dry when it comes to these things. You know, I mean, um, yeah. You know, it's funny because I was just, I was looking, and it's really interesting because the Paul Foster case deck, which is Builders of the Adidam and and all that kind of thing, the the card has. Obviously, the, the the hierophant in the center and it's all the little things we're talking about. But the Pope, I mean, the the the, um, the priest to the left, which would be the one with the roses, the masculine energy is what it's saying. His right hand is reaching out to the keys, to touch the keys, whereas in the rider deck, there are no hands being reached out from either one of them. And mm-hmm. the um, the particular deck, the Hanson Roberts deck, they're basically uh, bowing to each other with their hands in in prayer. So it's it's kind of when you look at why they did that, they did it because again, that essence of esoteric process, which builders the Adam Paul Foster case was really um, steeped in, which again goes back to the Golden Dawn, but. They, they, mm-hmm. they kind of put their their stamp on it is one that the masculine energy still reaches out for for dominance. Right. So that's yeah. my last thought on anything. Nice. Well, I think that brings us pretty much to a close on the old hierophant. But our series will continue next week. We'll be talking about the lovers. Which is my birth card or, or my birth card or my soul card. So uh, we'll talk a little bit next week about the concept of birth cards and soul cards, if you've never heard that before. Um, and then I think coming up, probably not this month, but next month we'll have our Beltane episode, even though you probably won't be able to go out into the world and celebrate Beltane. You can celebrate it in your home or your backyard. We'll give you some uh, maybe we'll have a Beltane part two and do like a how to celebrate Beltane with the coronavirus. Uh, <laughs> that might be exciting. Yeah, yeah, we'll discuss that. And then coming up at some point in the next few weeks will be another Ask the Witch episode. So just to put that out there, 
mm-hmm. if you have questions, if you want to hear us talk about something, if there's a, a just a burning desire you have for information, go to our website, which is witchpriestesscauldron.com, and there's a little form there to fill out um, your question. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we spend a whole episode just talking about what you want us to talk about. Yes, and banter and go through our emotions that we enjoy doing with regards yeah. to that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, wow. So we'll look forward to another week of shelter-in-place conversation. Come next week, we will have more fun antidotes about what we've been doing or has happened to us or not. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, I think we will... Did a fond adieu and yes. see where we go with our, our day. So please take care. Stay safe. Yes. Be healthy and we'll see you next week. Definitely. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Our podcast airs live every Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific and will be available for download. Questions or comments on this show or ideas for upcoming shows can be sent to our website, and that's at www.witchpriestesscauldron.com. Again, that's witchpriestesscauldron.com. On behalf of Elvira, Phoenix, Alan, and myself, Gwion Raven, a big merry meet and merry part and merry meet again. Blessed be. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.